morning. Oh, good morning. My name is Emily. Thank you for joining us here today on this beautiful, sunny stampede morning. If you're here in Calgary and you're into that, happy stampeding. Um, I just wanted to thank, it is actually kind of a full house today, so this is really nice to see. We've got lots of people here in person, and we're really enjoying the fact that we get to do that. We get to gather again, um, and we get to come together as a community. Uh, I know a lot of us have got summer plans. We're going to be away. We're expecting you know, lots of fluctuation throughout the summer. And as is typical of any organization that uh, heavily relies on the generosity of our our people in order to keep going, um, summer can sometimes be a bit of a tough time for us financially. Uh, we would encourage you, if you have not uh, yet considered doing a pre-authorized giving, and if you're already contributing to our community, or if you're thinking of doing that for the first time, we would really encourage you to uh, think about setting up something that continues um, to contribute even while you're not here. We have lots of people that are already doing that, and we just want to say a thank you um, to those of you who allow us to plan ahead and be consistent even throughout um, the summer months. Speaking of gathering together, like I mentioned earlier, even though it's summer and we don't get a lot of it here, so we try to you know, take it for all it's worth, we're already thinking about the fall. So I don't want to jump too far ahead and uh, you know, rob us of our beautiful summer, but I just wanted to let you know that at Friends Church, we're already planning for some exciting things for the fall. Um, we're looking forward to groups coming together again, and we know that many of you um, have not been here even throughout the pandemic. You may not have even joined us in person yet to this point, and perhaps fall is a time when you're thinking of re-entering into that kind of um, community again. So I would just ask you to, you know, come at your comfort level, but we would love to have you back in person. We're going to have all kinds of things uh, going on for everybody here. We are still going to value all of our live stream and podcast people, but if you've been thinking about it and you've been on the fence, take the summer and then join us in September because we're going to have some great stuff planned for you. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Friends Church. If you're uh, joining us for the first time, we, uh, we're really happy you are able to jump in on the action. It is great to see so many people kind of taking this in in person. Normally, summertime, this thing turns into a ghost town. Uh, ours is kind of flipping. We're starting to see come, people coming back, and we think that's a phenomenal thing. We think the spiritual gym offers incredible value in person. Uh, obviously, not everyone can, but for those that can, uh, we think you get, you get more bang for the buck, uh, to, you know, as a matter of speaking. <laughs> Uh, anyways, I want to talk about loneliness this morning. That's not a, a popular topic. In fact, I think loneliness is something that most people wouldn't even admit to if they were feeling it. That's my thoughts on it. Um, you know, for years, research, modern day research has been screaming, waving red flags about the growing level of isolation and disconnection, loneliness, that our culture is experiencing. Did you know that? The number of people who have no one to talk to about difficult things in their lives has tripled in the last decade. Tripled. 
the average social circle has shrunk by a third in just the last decade. Prior to the pandemic, these are stats prior to the pandemic too. Prior to the pandemic, we were lonelier and more disconnected than we've ever been in human history. Prior to the pandemic. Can you imagine what those stats would be saying right now? We will find those out over the next year as they start doing all the current research. We are in a loneliness epidemic. If you are not feeling loneliness in this moment, or maybe you're not even recognizing it, I guarantee you know someone who's feeling it. Let's just say you aren't. Let's say you're one of the chosen few. <laughs> and hey, there's some that have been super proactive about this stuff, which is awesome. But this, this thing is big. The, the problem is, especially for advanced stages of loneliness, which now researchers are saying is now more widespread than ever because of the pandemic, Doing what you need to break out of it isn't intuitive. In fact, the further you get into it, the more your stuff starts to work against you. Some research is, is suggesting that with everything that's gone on because of the pandemic, we can find ourselves actually working against ourselves, pushing us into deeper stages of isolation and disconnection. This is a real problem. And, 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 and loneliness, it's one thing to say, well, okay, so we're lonely. The problem is loneliness kills. This is the other body of research, is just the effect that it has on us. They say that loneliness has a worse effect on the human body than smoking. When you get deep into this sense of disconnection, they say it's the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day it will leave us stunted in our personal growth. It will leave us incapacitated to leaving a mark on our world. This is why we care about this here. Because we believe the spiritual journey is all about leaving a, a we were meant to leave a mark on our world. But loneliness is completely cutting us at the knees to be able to do that. It leaves it, rather than reaching out, rather than giving, rather than giving back and taking water to our world, being a light in a dark place, Loneliness has us running for cover, fearful of picking up the phone, fearful of stepping out, putting ourselves out there to reach out. A few weeks back, I don't know, maybe it was more than that, maybe a month ago, I read a blog post of a woman I highly respect that was all about this very thing. There's a blog post called Rinky Dink Mum. Um... Many of you that maybe are tuned into this blog post specifically will know that the woman, her name is Heather Dunphy Nielsen. For those long-term Friends Church people, you will recognize that name. Heather has been a part of Friends Church for many, many years. In fact, as a teen, she started attending, grew up in our Switch program, 
student program. Then she started leading worship and the music here. She was one of our prominent music leaders here at Friends Church for many years. Or, uh, the guy who she started dating ended up being married to was part of our sound team and bands. He was core. Um, anyways, they, uh, core got scouted by a big tech firm down in Silicon Valley, and they ended up moving to California about eight years ago. She started blogging. She's trained in anthropology, so the study of human behavior and how it happens in culture. So she wrote this blog post that just, again, sounded the alarms. Everything that we have been talking about in this area of loneliness. So I reached out to her. I said, Heather, I need you to speak to this in our community. Could we do a Zoom call? Could we, whatever, could we do a, a digital interview that we could show to our people or whatever? Anyways, as it turns, she goes, I'm going to be up there. I'm going to be vacationing in Canada, in Alberta. And so, as it turns out, we lined it up, and I said, come, sit with me and do this. And so, anyway, she's here. And I want you to put your hands together and welcome Heather Dunphy Nielsen to the stage. Heather, so good to have you here. Good to be back. Love it. Love it. This topic of loneliness, this is not just an academic kind of interest of yours. This is something you experienced firsthand. Yeah, in this pandemic. Especially, okay? Yeah, so... Why don't you just start there with your story, how it kind of, you got affected by everything. Well, it's, I mean, it started, I guess, when um, we started locking down, similar to here in Alberta. Um, you know, at first it was kind of like, this is interesting, I've got all this time, but <laughs> then the borders closed between Canada and the U.S., and that was something that I never thought could even happen. Mm-hmm. Um, cut off from our family, cut off from our friends, um, and then this, yeah, this anxiety of like, well, what would happen if Cor and I got sick and we ended up in the hospital? Like, who would take care of our kids? Because mm-hmm. we didn't have any family there. And our friends were also all transplants from somewhere else. They didn't have family to lean on. So um, it was a very, yeah, anxious time. Mm-hmm. Um, I started drinking a lot more than I previously mm-hmm. did. How many can relate um, to that? Yeah. Amen. I, um, I didn't sleep well. Um, I was very task-focused. I was so like, well, I can't do anything about this, so I'm going to focus on my house and my kids and, you know, just churning the butter, kind of like just doing the tasks and, yeah. not, um, and not even reaching out to friends. Like, it would go three weeks, and I'd be like, have I even texted, you know, a friend? I was so internally focused. Yeah. I built this kind of fortress around myself. Yeah. Um, now we know perhaps more about what was starting to go on inside of you, but did you connect the dots to what you were actually experiencing in terms of loneliness in that time? At that time, I did not, because I didn't really, I didn't know the word lonely for what it was that I was feeling. I knew the word anxious and depressed and, you know, drinking too much or alcoholic or whatever, you know. Um, But I, I didn't realize it was lonely until I stumbled across this book at um, the store. And I didn't buy it because I was like, well, maybe I'm lonely. I bought it because it was written by the Surgeon General of the United States, and it was published in February 2020. It's called Together, 
the healing power of human connection in a sometimes lonely world. And so, so February 2020, this yeah, is prior the to pandemic. the pandemic starting. And so because I'm an anthropology nerd, I was like, mm, I wonder if what he wrote and published before the pandemic is still valid after this insane social experiment that we've all been through. Mm-hmm. And so I started reading it, and as I was reading I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that that's, I think that's what's been happening to me. I think that's what happened to my brain is this... <sighs> Loneliness. So as I was reading through your blog post, you kind of expanded on some of the stuff that he says in there. And I just, I found it fascinating, but things were clicking for me as I was watching. And even stuff that's going on in my life. Now, we're extroverts. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, lonely was never something that we necessarily struggled with naturally. Mm Because we'd, but as you began talking about this, I was just like, oh gosh, we got to, sh- okay. So let's, let's just talk about some of the stuff that he brings out. Let's start with kind of some of the evolutionary side of mm-hmm. just humanity, what we know about us with regard to community relationships. Yeah. So one of the things he talks about is how we as humans, we're a communal species. We have lived together in groups for thousands of years. That's how we operate as kind of our baseline. Um, Some people need more and some people need less, but ultimately we humans are communal species. That's why we do so, you know, that's why we thrive on this earth. We are good at communicating. We're good at sharing. We share ideas. We share visions. We we work together on a common goal. I mean, we sequence the DNA of the COVID-19 virus in record time. That's mind blowing how well we can work together to achieve great things. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, when, when we're all together, over time, they've said humanity has survived or those parts of humanity survived because we stay together, mm-hmm. because we understand community. Yeah. Now, sometimes we start straying from the pack mm-hmm. and then something kicks in. Yeah, we have kind of an evolutionary adapt and adaptation to trigger us when we're alone to be like, well, I need to get back to my group because you're more likely to get picked off by a lion if you're by yourself, right? And so there's this thing that you, you feel lonely and, and so you, you call your mom or you say, Let, let's get together for coffee with a friend. Um, yeah, like these are things, these are instincts yeah, that are kind that. of hardwired yeah. into us. Yeah. But the author starts war- sending out warning signs going, but we're not, we're overriding these signals somehow and society is moving more fragmented. Yeah, we've started drifting away from that or not, because we're not being chased by lions, we're not physically in danger, we're kind of overriding, yeah, this, this instinct to connect back with people. Um, so, so then we, we get into the state where now he says we're more divided than ever. Mm-hmm. And something begins to kick in there internally without perhaps us even understanding it. This was fascinating. Yeah, so what, what can happen after more loneliness is that we become chronically lonely and we enter this state of what he calls hypervigilance where... You know, if you go for a walk in the woods with a group of people, you, you know, it's, it's fine. But you go for a walk in the woods by yourself and you get a little bit spooked and you can hear every twig crack and every bush rattle and you kind of get a little bit like, you know, feeling like everything's a threat. And when you become chronically lonely, you start to see even marginal threats as lethal. People that love you as a threat to you, right? Uh. And so I thought about that. I was like, you know, 
That sounds a lot like what I was going through because I was pushing people away during the pandemic. During the pandemic, who were just trying to reach out to me. Huh. Um, you, you had an interesting experience with your son. Yeah. So, um, one, when the, the pandemic began um, in California, at least we had um, mask mandates. And I think we had them here too. Mm-hmm. And um, my four-year-old son would not wear a mask. <laughs> Lots of four-year-olds that don't like tags in their shirts and seams in their socks. And Devin was like, no, to the mask. Um, and it was really tough because, you know, people were like, it's a parenting issue. You're just not parenting him right. He's not listening to you. Or you didn't buy the right kind of mask. Or you're not bribing him with candy or whatever. And I, I couldn't... I, but it was such a visual sign to people whether you, you know, took it seriously or not, you know. And so... It got, people would like say, no, I'm sorry, we can't play outside with you if your son's not wearing a mask. Or you can't come to the fully outdoor zoo if you're not wearing a mask. You can't pick up Halloween candy from the end of my driveway if you're not wearing a mask. California is pretty hardcore hardcore, with this stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, But I also think in some ways, like this is me saying my experience but I was filtering that through a very lonely brain, right? And I was pushing mm-hmm. people away. So even friends of mine who did say, Heather, we understand. We love your son. Yeah. We get it. Yeah. It's fine. We can, we can make this work. Yeah. I was like, mm, no, it's fine. I just, I'd just rather not see you. You were picking up yeah. threat from them. Yeah. Maybe even without even knowing. Threatening, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I, you know, as you're talking about this, uh, and I know we've chatted um, at length around this whole thing, but I, the stories that I've heard from within our community, and even, even in my own family, one little statement on the phone in the middle of it where there was a different opinion kind of being shared, all of a sudden things just went instantly tense and hard. And then it was like those phone calls between those two people just dried up. Invites, the bubble was getting smaller and smaller for some people. People were just moving more and more into isolation because they're going, yeah, you know what? We don't see things eye to eye. And they're, oh, no, they're, mm-hmm. they're saying this. Oh, they believe that, whatever. So we, I think throughout these last two years, if we thought social circles shrank by a third prior to the pandemic... Like, I've talked to people whose social circles have gotten so small because where they sit on some of these things, on a number of different things, they just decided, no, unsafe, unsafe, or we're not on the same page, whatever it is. And now, I don't know if this has been your story, but I would just invite you for a second to think about your personal social circle, what it looked like even three years ago. The kinds of things you're doing, the people you're interacting with, social things, hobbies, sports, maybe neighbor things, work circles that you're maybe hanging out in. And you think about where you sit right now and you tell me if it hasn't changed drastically. According to this Vivek Murthy, some of this 
is because of this hypervigilance that gets going where we begin to just almost instinctually Mm -hmm. smell threat in the air. Yeah, we become hyper-focused on our own physical safety or our own survival when Mm -hmm. we get into this state. What what bothered me the most, because I've watched it even talking with people that we haven't seen in two and a half years. And I'm asking them, are, are you... Where are you at? Where's the spiritual journey at? Where are you, where are you going? What, what are you doing? Hmm, we're just... Uh, uh, uh. And I wonder if there isn't a percentage of our population right now that are still, without even knowing what's going on, nervous. And for that reason, they're just going, ah, uh, maybe not. Mm-hmm. And the very thing they're craving and they're needing... Something that I'm saying, uh-uh, don't do it. Just don't. Anyways, okay, so mm-hmm. we got this problem with hypervigilance. Perhaps it's working against some people that are, many now that are experiencing chronic loneliness. You start reading this book. You start seeing this stuff. The author starts talking about ways to start overriding these signals, overriding the stuff to mm-hmm. turn things around. Can we talk about that? What, mm-hmm. what are some things he suggests maybe... Uh, that you've even tried. Yeah, so he's, he's, he talks about um, kind of developing a social rituals or, or routines. Ri- routines is a better word. Uh-huh. Um, just, you know, think back to what I did before the pandemic, you know, book club or going to church in person every week or going here or there with, yeah. with friends. And it was just, it was set and it yeah. happened. And yeah. there was people who would expect me there. And if I wasn't there, they'd be like, Hey, where are you? What's happening? Where, yeah. you know? Um, so like, I know, I know you haven't really like, since you moved down to California, you've tried some different churches even. And nothing's that, like friends. <laughs> I'm, we're flattered and yeah. yet we're disappointed. That's, mm-hmm. it's frustrating for even everything that we're talking about here. Yeah. But after reading that book, something shifted in you. Yeah, so while well, I started attend, I just said, okay, I need to get out into community again. I need to meet some more people who know my face. And so uh, I started attending a Presbyterian church in Sunnyvale, and I chose it because it's the most inclusive of the churches that I could find. And, mm-hmm. and it's actually been really great to go every week and, and yeah, just be you know, welcomed by people and uh-huh. greeted um, and uh-huh. have a set thing on the calendar. Yeah. Um, like, I know, I know for some people, it might be church. For some, it might be just going back to the gym, mm-hmm. like a regular gym, just getting into a routine there. For some of you, you were okay. part of mom, mom groups. Some of you were part of even a recovery group in an environment where you were actually physically going. Maybe you moved away from that, you went to a Zoom, and then that, uh, and that dried up, and now you sit alone. And maybe, maybe the return to the, the routine or the ritual thing that brought you in contact with people and reestablished, set that kind of sense of, okay, I am connecting, I feel people see me, someone's listening to me, I'm seeing their face, not even behind a mask anymore. What is the things that brought you routinely back into contact with other people prior to the pandemic. That's one thing I heard coming out loud and clear from you. Yeah, so getting back, yeah, just and you know, going back into the office for my husband was huge, right? His, his daily routine of, of getting out. How, how many um, stopped working uh, on site and were, and maybe even still, working uh, at home in an environment like 
away from people. Yeah. So, so like everything is fighting us. Mm-hmm. And, and we think, well, digitally we can, how many have been frustrated by that? Just going, man, it just is not the same as sitting there, you know, over a coffee or a beer and looking in someone's face or across a water cooler at work, being able to connect. There's something mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And one of the things that um, Dr. Murthy talks about of, uh, you know, another step for getting yourself back out there is to, um, is to give to others outside of yourself. When we're in this hypervigilant state, we're so focused on our own survival needs. And so it's hard necessarily to break down that, get rid of that fear. You're still hearing every twig snap, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but he says, still you have passions and you value things like you know, music or art or or helping, helping alleviate poverty or animal welfare. And, and so you can go out and help in those situations. And it kind of gives you an avenue, if you will, or a bridge into seeing people again through this kind of shared passion for helping. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know you talked about kind of this, I, I think the, the author mentioned this narcissistic mm-hmm. tendency behind the hypervigilance. Yeah, it, so you're so focused on yourself. So focusing on others uh-huh. through a mutual or a common thing or j- just a passion that yeah, you have. Yeah, shared passion yeah. or whatever. This is and something breaks that, down. That, that you yeah. really started practicing. Mm-hmm. So then I joined the band at the church in the Sunnyvale <laughs> Presbyterian, which I'd been looking for a band to play with since I left here at Friends, um, but I hadn't really found anything that I, I liked. But... You know, I just was like, okay, maybe this, it's not exactly the way I'd want it to be because nothing ever is exactly the way you want it. But um, yeah, so I started singing in the worship band there and my husband, Cor, he's like, well, I got to fix the sound. So he he signed up to do sound when I'm singing. Cor is a magician in audio. The guy is amazing. So yeah, how great. So he runs sound um, when I'm I'm singing, which is really nice. So we get out together and Uh do that together and we're meeting, you know, we're meeting the same people and we're building kind of a community around us again, which is which is really great. You um, also did something cool in your neighborhood. Which... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I started, um, well, I started running during the pandemic as, you know, just an exercise thing. But um, my neighbors have an Australian shepherd, and that dog needs a lot of running. And so I started taking their dog on runs three times a week and just going to pick up their dog and visit mm. with them. And, and running with a dog is awesome because, like, you get endorphins when you run, but when you run with, like, this gleeful animal, it's, like, so much better. Um, I have a dog, and so if there's anyone here that <laughs> has any aspirations there, we can hook you up. Yeah, no, this is yeah, so cool. And, so, and then I think it just kind of, yeah, helped me... Um, yeah, connect with my neighbors more. And do um, something great for them. What was yeah. cool is you said they have a Starbucks waiting for you when yeah, you. Yeah, and that's the best is that I take the dog for a run and then um, he goes out and gets me a Starbucks and then I come back and I get a Starbucks as like my gift. It's just that's awesome. So. so it's like yeah, this community building with a mutual passion for the dog and Starbucks. It works out well. Let's just let's just. I mean, that's a win-win all the way around. Mm-hmm. Just think about that for a second. Just in terms of your own world. You know, maybe, maybe you found yourself maybe in a little bit of a small bubble over this last while. Maybe you're starting to break out of it. Maybe you haven't yet. Maybe you haven't really thought deeply about what you could do. But maybe just starts thinking about your passions and your own skill sets, things that you, you value in your world, finding, you know, something that you can tie into. I know for me, I, 
I've been, I started donating blood and then it advanced to platelets and plasma. But I tell you, all through the pandemic, even though it was, you know, got pretty involved there for a while, going in there and doing it, there was something beautiful about sitting in a chair and just interacting with people for two hours, man. It was like captive audience. And we would chat about all kinds of things with these nurses that would be doing that. That was just fed my soul. Mm-hmm. But, but, but is there something you could even just step out of your world right now, out of kind of your bubble and say, you know what? Maybe it's time to consider volunteering somewhere. And uh, this, these aren't shameless plugs for here. Obviously, we have our volunteer opportunities. We have tons of them. But if it's not here, it, it could be in your own community. Maybe it's reaching out to a neighbor who needs something. You're mowing your lawn and you know there's a neighbor somewhere down the street that's struggling to get it done. Maybe just rolling that mower down and just saying, I'm going to tackle this yard here. And it'll strike up. I don't know what it is. But maybe today your assignment is just to think through what could, what could something be that would be like a total win-win. Make a difference. Take water somewhere to your world and yet break the cycle of this chronic loneliness. Lower the hypervigilance. Relax. Feel connected in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. All right, there's, there's one more thing that I know you mentioned to me yeah. that was very effective for you. So one of the things I've been working on, I mean, I still tear up just talking about my son's experience in the pandemic with the masks. And, um, and so the church that I've been going to in California, they did this thing a few weeks ago where um, people stood up and shared a grief that they had about the pandemic. And people who didn't feel comfortable sharing out in person, we did kind of a mural where people could write down something, you know. And it was very moving to hear what other people would say about the thing that was just just hurt so much, you know? And it was, it was, I think that's part of the healing process is to just admit the grief or just verbalize it. Um, and uh, yeah, my my kids, I asked them if they wanted to put something on the grief wall at the church. And Violet, she's three, right? So she, she can't write. But she's like pulling papers and she's scribbling her little heart out, like putting them up on the thing. I'm like, well, okay. Hey, it was from the heart yeah. and she got that grief. So um, I think that that's a, an important part of this, of moving on. I mean, it's not about dwelling in the past, but I think it's important to recognize that you know this was a really weird time for Mm -hmm. humans Mm -hmm. you know this was a hard thing we were cut off Mm -hmm. from our closest loved ones by distance or um time like we (laughs) we have to process it i guess i think i mean i have to process it i'm still processing it of what what happened Right. right and and recognizing that hypervigilance state that I got into and apologizing to some people that I know that I hurt when I was in those states and then forgiving others that I know they were in that state too Mm -hmm. when they said they couldn't play with my son outdoors if he wasn't masked. They were also in a state where they were afraid of everything. And so recognizing that and saying, you know, I can... I can forgive that and I can let it go. Yeah. Um, you know, as you're talking, I was just thinking about 
you know, we've done some messages over the last couple years around trauma. And when you go through something traumatic, there's a system inside you that has a tough time shutting off. It tells you you're under threat until it gets communicated to say, relax, we're okay. So there's different things they can do. You can, you can rub your body like this, and it has a way of calming your nerves. There's breathing exercise you can do. But I have a feeling that this, this exercise, even that you guys did, where it's just mm-hmm. grieving, it's writing down things that happened, that you lost. Uh, it, could, it could have been mm-hmm. a breach in relationship, a relationship that, that was car- left for dead as a result of everything mm-hmm. that went on. And grieving that loss, somehow communicating to the system, the storm has subsided. Mm-hmm. Relax, the hypervigilance can relax. Now, I, I, I was also thinking about that. I was thinking, I wonder if part of the grieving wouldn't lead to some beautiful conversations where, like you said, there's maybe an opportunity to go back in and go, oh shit, there was some bad stuff that got said. Mm-hmm. And words I'd love to take back. Um, I know uh, yeah got some people rolling through my head that uh, their status in my social circle shifted and they're close and uh I wonder if part of the loneliness doesn't get solved as we come to grips with some of the damage, the carnage, when we're in that hypervigilant state, when we're worried, freaked out, or just disinterested or tired of it, or annoyed by people or whatever. Perhaps this is a moment we got now in restoring and ending this chronic loneliness, coming back and saying, "I, I said something I should never have said. I acted in a way I know was hurtful, and I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe you today have your own names rolling through your mind of someone that in this process of grieving, Mm -hmm. we could patch up some stuff and maybe reorder those social circles to a place where we're going, no, this fits now. This is the way it should be. I don't know. Maybe for someone here who can relate to that, maybe that's part of the homework this week. Maybe, maybe it's pulling on a pad of paper. Uh, hey, if you're like me, I want to stop talking about the pandemic. I don't want it to come up again. I hate it when I'm listening to the news and they start talking about the latest way. I'm just like, oh, flick that off. I'm tired. Here, here. All right. <laughs> and yet, we've just come through a war. And don't be fooled, the thing's got its teeth still stuck in parts of us. And we want to pretend it's all gone. But there may still be some lingering effects that lead to this chronic loneliness. If that's you this morning, we hope you'd just be open to stepping out, maybe trying this. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a routine that you've abandoned and you're going, okay, I've got, I got to go back. That was such a big part of my life. Return. And maybe if you're not ready right at this moment, then you set your date. 
Like Emily was saying, maybe September is a time you return. Whatever it is, set the date, put it on the counter and say, I'm, I'm coming back. Some routine. Maybe, maybe it's different than that. Maybe it's one of these other things. Maybe it's just a, some form of grieving. What was the other thing we talked about? Second part? Um, oh, giving, giving back. To others, yeah. yeah. Giving, giving back. A volunteer. Opportunity. Maybe it's just something formal. Maybe it's something so informal. Hmm. But may we all consider the way that loneliness has touched us, has circled close to home, has affected our circles. May you and I, may we all be committed to recommit ourselves to reconnecting in ways that we're going, okay, yeah, now here's what we're talking about. I get it. There's some introverts in this room. You're going, I don't need what you extroverts need. Get it. But don't be fooled. You need people. Maybe you just need a couple. That's fine. Maybe you need three or four. And it's, it's, it's come down dangerously low. You've got some work to do. We all do. Maybe you know someone in your life that's spiraling right now in this way. And the greatest gift you could give them is throwing them out a lifeline. And they might be pushing you away and maybe what you need to do is insist. No. No, we're getting together. So whether it's this week or next week. I don't know what that looks like. But I hope perhaps after we talk today we'll move the, the ball forward. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe take the loneliness that's being felt at eight and drop it down to a seven over these next couple weeks or lower. It's our prayer for you. Heather, thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for uh, making this trip, flying up here just to speak. <laughs> this is just so amazing. No, can we thank Heather? Uh, I want to give you a hug. Yes. This is a special COVID edition hug. Yeah. Great. Hey, thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, next week, Vince is on. I uh, don't know what you're talking about, Vince, but you told me it was going to be uh, amazing. So you'll want to come back for that. Well, have a great week, everyone. See you next week.